couple years ago, I was in an interesting situation. I was shadowing a priest, and we were called to a family for an anointing and last rites. And as we walk into the room, we see a Buddhist monk sitting in the family's midst, talking to them, and kind of comforting and being at the bedside of the patient. We celebrate and finish um, the last rites, the anointing, and we leave. And as we leave the room, leave the house, the Jewish rabbi walks in the door. And so we, both father and I kind of looked at each other like, wait, what? But it, that confusing part is not just the fact that there was a Buddhist monk, a Catholic priest, and a Jewish rabbi walking into the same house. But the fact is that patient was dying and all three of them, all three of us kind of showed up. Because what really does that say about us? When it comes to death and dying, we're really wanting to grasp at anything. We really want to make sense of what is death. What is death going to do to us? And what does death entail? Is there life after death? Is there meaning in our life? Why we ask these, all these big, crazy existential questions or crisis questions in our lives? Because we're so afraid of death. To put it even simply, how many of us here have actually reflected on the question of death? Let's, let's see a show of hands. How many of us are actually reflecting on death? What is interesting and mind-boggling is it's a lot of us are in the older spectrum of our age. All the young people are kind of looking at each other like, wait, what? It's not a common thing and it's not something that we do consistently or for any reason for that matter. But what is interesting and it's such a coincidence today, as we hear our readings both talk about death, and as we sit in the month of November, we remember the souls of the faithful departed who have gone before us. And so let us look at the scripture readings today and see how we can come to the understanding of death and what does it mean for us? Is there life after death? Answer these existential questions within our lives and see what it really means and what we're going to have to do for ourselves. We hear in our gospel reading today about a man who gets married to his wife, is unable to bear children, he passes away, and so now his brother proceeds into marrying his brother's wife, and she marries all seven brothers. What is interesting is as I was digging and studying that, that understanding of marriage, it's a Levitical style or type of marriage. It's called a Levitical marriage because they understood it very much as a wealth. How do I preserve myself to the end? Life is only worth living when my lineage and my, my, my wealth is preserved from one generation to the next. My name, my reputation, therefore is brought through the family line. And so what happens? When each brother marries his other brother's wife, we, we see and we begin to understand that the lineage is not going to be maintained. The wealth now is gone, to, gone away. 
And therefore, there's nothing left in life. Family, money, wealth, prestige. If that goes all out the window, then what is there for life? And so when the Sadducees bring this question to Jesus, what they're really challenging Jesus and asking is what is afterlife? Because their understanding of afterlife is exactly the same way we are living life today. So when we close our eyes and take our last breath here on earth, life after death looks, feels, and experiences the same way it is here on earth. For them, it's just like us taking a nap, sleeping for the night, and waking up like nothing has ever happened. Nothing has changed. And so instead, Jesus instructs and shows us exactly what afterlife is. Because life after death is not life terminating and ending, period. So when you take your last breath, life ends and there's nothing after that. And life is meaningless because life only consists of our time walking here on earth. But Jesus instead instructs and tells them that there is more to life after death. There is eternal life. But this eternal life that you're about to enter, the eternal life that you are promised, does not look the same as life here on earth. The life here on earth is not terminated, it's not ended but it's transformed and changed into a new way. Because in heaven, in our eternal dwelling place with God forever, life there is eternal praise and adoring God and seeing God face to face, in which nothing in life really matters. So for example, as husband and wife, you are sharing your love and participating and presenting the image of God's love for us every day. As imperfect as it is, you model and you share and you become the example of Christ's love into this world. But now when you're in heaven, you see God face to face where nothing else matters. You will be reunited with your friends, your families, your relatives, all in heaven. You'll get to see and experience and be in their company. But they themselves don't matter because you see God in his infinite glory and your relationship that you have with him will dwell forever and is all you need and will satiate all your desires. That's the experience of heaven. And so what else is there then? As, we come, as the last couple of weeks we were celebrating Halloween, two of the common images that come up in Halloween and are a lot of people's favorites, are ghosts and skeletons. So what are they really? Ghosts are spiritual beings without a body. Skeletons are, are, are human beings without a soul. And so when we enter into our afterlife, we too will pass away. We too will return to the earth, the dirt that we were created from. So then what happens to us after that? We will then therefore not become ghosts. We therefore will not just become skeletons, but we will be reunited with a glorified body. We don't know what that body entails and how that's going to look like. We know that that glorified body will look like and be like the glorified body of Jesus at the resurrection. 
but in that we will be reunited with our glorified body and will be with him for all eternity in heaven. So my dear brothers and sisters, we know of heaven. We know of what is going to happen to us in the afterlife. So I want to leave us with this statement. Hell, therefore, is real. Hell, therefore, is a place in which we can go, and you can go to hell. Because if heaven is the place in which we give praise to God, and we see God face to face, and that is a choice and decision we make, hell, therefore, is the absence of that, in which, we've choose, we, in which we have freely chosen to turn our way, ourselves completely from God. And so when we hear in Scripture that there is wailing and gnashing of teeth, it's not the physical wailing and gnashing of teeth, but the pure fact that you have just come into the presence of love, you've just come into the presence of glory, you've come and tasted and experienced the glory of God in all its magnificence, and now you have to turn away from that and spend all eternity missing lacking and wanting that. Just like Halloween, as kids, we want all our candy. We want to eat all our candy. But as parents, you know you have to pace your kids out and, and reserve some of it back. But when the kid begins to yell and scream wanting candy, you kind of have to turn them away. And they'll still yell and scream for that candy because they know they want candy. Hell is just that. You want something, you know that it's something that you want to yearn within your life. And now you have to live with the fact that you can't be in that presence and that you can't be in that glory, magnificence of God and his love. We then lose sight of everything. We then are wailing and gnashing our teeth because we're lacking that in our life. We wanted that in for all eternity, but now we get to spend all eternity wishing, wanting, and hoping for that. So what does that mean for us? How does that make sense, and how do we prepare for that? We have to begin to reflect on our death. Not because we're masochists and wanting death, evil, goriness, always in our mind and in our hearts. But we pray in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So what we do and how we live our life should begin to reflect the eternal dwelling place of heaven. We come to the Eucharistic feast to come to experience, to get a taste of the divine. And in doing so, it changes and transforms our hearts, our minds, our souls, and we're sent off into the world to share that experience with others. And what does that Eucharistic feast do? We hear the word of God, we chew on it, we meditate it, and it becomes a part of us. We then come to the Eucharistic table and come to receive the resurrected Jesus in the body, blood, soul, and divinity. All of that in the Eucharist. We ingest and make him a part of us and a part of our lives. And in doing so, he walks and journeys with us and begins to transform us from within so that we can go out into the world and show and share and speak of that transformation. 
that heavenly realm, that heavenly experience is a deep and divine relationship with God. So we can begin that relationship here and now. And it's very simple to begin. It's through the three theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. We all have friends. And so whatever our, friend, our best friend tells us, we tend to trust them. We tend to hope and want that if we chose someone to be our best friend, they have our best interests in mind. They're not going to lead us astray. And most importantly, they're going to help us and they speak truth within our lives. So just like Jesus, we too have a best friend in Jesus Christ. We have an ability to enter into a deep and authentic relationship with him. And so in faith, we believe in God and in all that he reveals and teaches us. And we hear in our readings today that there is life everlasting. There is going to be a time in which we get to be with him for all eternity and to be in his loving presence. And so we hope, we trust, and we know that once our life here on earth is done, when our body is returned back to the earth, we too will be reunited with him in a glorified body, in heaven, in his love, in hope. We trust that God will fulfill his promise, and we look forward into the life, into eternal life. So that's what we're excited for. That's what we do. That's how we live every day and every moment of our life. That we're going to experience that love. And so I'm going to share that minimal, that simple love, or what I can get here, that taste I can come to experience at Mass to those around us. So that we all can get this glorified experience, as small as it, as it is, of heaven so that we all can look and yearn and prepare ourselves for heaven. And finally, it's rooted in love, where God is important above all things, and that we love our neighbor as ourself. So every day when we have those theological virtues of faith, hope, and love rooted in our daily lives, we too will begin to prepare ourselves for that divine experience, that divine encounter in heaven. Heaven, therefore, my brothers and sisters, is not a zip code. You can't physically find heaven. You can't physically find hell. But it's an experience, it is a place in which we come to see, experience, and be in the presence of the divine. And so we can begin that experience, that experience and taste of heaven here on earth with that relationship with God. It will begin to transform and change us and make us new forever. So that when we come to our deathbed, we don't have to be grasping at the world. We don't have to be holding on any longer. We don't have to live a life in fear when my life will come to an end. But we can live in a life of joy, of excitement, of anticipation, knowing that it's going to happen and I am not in fear. But I am in hope, I am in joy, I am in love that I will get to see and be in the presence of my Lord, my God, my Creator for all eternity. And every day and every moment of my life, I've prepared for this, I have trained for this, I have worked so that I can reach heaven. And therefore, life has meaning. We don't have to fear death anymore. And just like 
our first reading from the second book of Maccabees. When it's our time, we are ready to give up and give it all over to God so that we can see him face to face and be in his presence for all eternity. Amen.